Um, we just need to get <clears throat> if you can get me co-host um alex and also uh we have like levana protocol that needs speaker rights for example and i think mikhil from persistence is joining shortly as well um so if we can get him speaker rights uh, i noticed that we've got the hover main account in the audience uh, vincent is it okay if we have you up right now or do you need both authorizers Okay, uh, I can't hear you, Vincent, but we'll, we'll do our best to get Hover main account up as well. Okay, I see Levan has been authorized. That's awesome. Um, cool. Okay, so I guess we can kick things off with some introductions then. First of all, before we get into the uh, what has been a bit of a crazy week in the markets with the old uh, grayscale um, dumping sort of FUD slash reality, who, who really knows? Um, but it's definitely been an interesting week. Um, so before we get into all that kind of stuff, and then also the perps and trading, um, which is the theme of today's spaces, uh, why don't we go and do some intros real quick? Um, so Rock, do you want to give a quick intro? Sure. I'm Rock Zacharias, um, CEO of Lunar Digital Assets, which is an incubation and marketing firm, uh, responsible for, uh, projects, uh, like Polygon, QuickSwap. Um, persistence, Doge Chain, uh, and Kinetics, uh, and then I'm an advisor of, uh, or I'm a, a co-founder of QuickSwap and advisor of Kinetics. That's great to have you. Um, for those of you that don't know, I'm Jack. I'm Chief Launch Officer at Lunar Digital Assets, Rock's firm, um, and I'm currently supporting with the launch of Kinetics on the marketing side. Um, Lavana, do you want to give a brief intro? Sure. I'm uh, Jonathan Karras. I lead communications at Lavana. Lavana is an, uh, a perpetual swap supporting up to 100x leverage. We're currently live on, say, Injective and Osmosis. Uh, we've been around for about eight months and had about $1.7 billion worth of trading volume. Nice. I was actually listening to a clip uh, from you guys today about your in-kind markets. It's quite interesting. Um, so we'll, we'll come back and touch on that in a little while, I think. Um, okay, so we got Vasco. Hey, what's up, Jack? Uh, Vasco here. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm core uh, at the Salabs team focusing on, on BD and, and ecosystem growth. Um, yeah, exci excited to be here. Awesome. For those of you that for those that don't know, do you want to just give a quick uh, once over of, of Synapse? Of course, yeah. Uh, Say Labs is a, is a software development focused group of individuals behind the 
the realization of say network, um, which is the fastest layer one blockchain out there. Um, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, that's a very high level explanation on it. Happy to, to deep dive, um, forward in the, in the spaces. Sounds good. I'm sure we'll get into that shortly. Uh, we've got Vincent from Hover here. Do you want to go ahead? Vincent? Sure. Hopefully you guys can uh, hear me. Okay. But, uh, I'm Vincent, uh, one of the core contributors of Hover markets. Um, we are a landing protocol with, um, uh, with exploration into uh, various other elements of DeFi and yield. Um, and this is why I'm pretty excited for the conversation today. Uh, but yeah, overall, um, I came from a more uh, uh, TradFi focused background, gone to crypto around like 2016, 17, and been in ever since on the institutional side, um, building Hover because we see uh, we see a need to be able to, you know, ha- build out this uh, yield, uh, yield ecosystem across Cosmos and more, uh, most importantly, within Gava. Awesome. Um, so who's on the, so we've got the Hover account authorized speaker as well. Who's on that account today? So do you want to give a brief intro? Oh yeah, this is Jeff. Yeah, this is Jeff. I'm uh, Vincent's uh, co-core contributor over here. Yep. I'm a uh, uh, core contributor uh, leading the marketing over here at Hover. Yep. I think Vincent summed it up pretty well. We're really excited to be You're here, uh, especially episode three, Purpose and Trading. Let's get in. Cool. Okay. Great to have you, Vincent. Uh, Mark from PIF, do you want to go ahead? Jim, Jim, thanks again for having me on, uh, Rock. I am especially excited because I see a bunch of familiar faces. Levana, Hover, Say, of course, Kinetics. So that's super nice. And even Metavolt. Uh, so I work for the Peace Data Association uh, and specifically focus on the PIF network. So blockchain oracle specialized in price feeds. We deliver 400 price feeds on demand on 50 blockchains. You know, you know it's Sorry, funny. Sorry. Last week, when I said that uh, a dev, uh, what one of the devs that I was speaking to about about Pit uh, said that it was an effing sword. That was actually Steve that's here as a speaker on stage this week. Kind of fun. Yeah, that, that was. A, I think I misquoted. Uh, did I say it was Samit? I think I missed. Yeah, I think you said Samip, and I, I corrected. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, but yeah, uh, well, that leads us into to Steve. Then, Steve, do you want to go ahead and intro yourself? Hello, my name is Steve. I'm uh, the core contributor in business development uh, related stuff on Kinetics and some other protocols. I will here also to explain how perpetuals are working, especially on chain integrations like Pit and uh, other oracles, and uh, on that explaining how the new the new future with perps on chain will be with new ux features and gimmicks cool sounds good uh looking forward to getting into that later for sure steve um, is definitely a wealth of knowledge when it comes to on-chain perps one of the one of the brightest on-chain perps people i i've met in the industry for sure thank yeah, you great to have um expertise like this on the on the spaces for those that are technically minded in the audience it'll be really good when we get into things um and then we've got mikhail who's just joined as well from persistence hey everyone uh mikhail here happy to meet you rock jack long time 
uh, very excited to be here. Uh, obviously, you know, persistence has been around in, in Cosmos for a while since 2019. We've been building things around liquid staking. Uh, obviously, I'm not the most uh, knowledgeable person about perps, uh, which is why I'm here to learn from everyone. But but very excited to be a part of this conversation and and looking forward to you know getting SDK assets that that we issue on on some of these you know platforms. So looking forward to it. Good to see you, man. Cool. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, so I think uh, that covers the introductions for now. Uh, there is one other person that we might be waiting for, uh, but um, our host has just reminded me in, on Telegram that he's, he's not here just yet. Just waiting for a uh, speaker request to be fulfilled, so we'll, we'll hold on for that one. Um, but just before we get into the meat of the... the is, that a, is that a special guest star that I am thinking it might be? Um. Check the uh, Connect LDA group and then see if it's who you think it is. Anyway, um, in the meantime, um, while, before we get into perps and trading, it'd be interesting to hear a brief thoughts on the grayscale stuff. So obviously like that's that's been the issue that's kind of dominated the, the at least on Twitter anyway, the news cycle over the last week, you know, is grayscale sending, you know, tens of thousands of Bitcoin to Coinbase every day. Uh, it's kind of scaring, scaring a lot of people. Uh, but then the markets seem to be either, you know, crazily resilient or maybe they're just sending it there for custody purposes and not dumping. So I think, I think that one should be uh, should be interesting to get everybody's thoughts on. Uh, did you want my personal opinion? <laughs> this would be apart from over. <laughs> uh, yeah, go for it. Just whatever you've got, man. Just. Yeah, I mean, uh, for for GPTC, I think that they were trading at a discount for like half a year. I think uh, at one point you had like negative 30% uh, discount to uh, net asset value. So I think we saw a lot of uh, institutions uh, or, you know, strategic traders institutions uh, start trading on that discount. Um, recently, I think just now it's like back to like 30, 30 bips. Uh, it's like 30 bips now uh, for their for the discount. So I think that that has closed off. Um, they have crazy fees. So uh, uh, I think, um, yeah, so I think for Grayscale, they had one of the largest fees in comparison to every other Bitcoin ETF, which had, you know, around like 20 bips to 40 bips. So I think that, you know, a lot of the uh, withdrawals that are coming out of uh, Grayscale is probably moving into a lot of the other ETFs. And if not, then they might be pulling out uh, from the profits of that trade. So, I mean, that's kind of my personal opinion, but I think that we can probably see a lot of greener pastures in, uh, later on. I think that's a great Wasn't point, it huh? net? It was net inflows, though, overall, right? Like some had left from uh, GBTC, but uh, the, the, the past, the past three months had the largest uh, inflows combined since the BITO launch. And yeah, this is this is across all the uh, exchange traded products uh, globally. What what do you think about um, so like there's there's this whole theory that um, a lot of people that bought Grayscale bought uh, those shares uh, when the market was a lot higher back in twenty one um, and twenty two. So um, you know, some people are theorizing that a lot of the Grayscale dumping that's going on is because people are, are basically trying to lock in that loss. Um, so that they can then, uh, then basically, not exactly a wash trade, but you know, like locking the loss, and then they can harvest the the tax credit there, and then they can buy again on in a lower fee uh, ETF. Yeah, I, well, I mean, just look at it. Well, you you have to wait thirty days, I believe, right? Um, 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because that's in the, the US, trading rule, right? I, saw, I forget the name of the rule, but yeah, like basically, sometimes at before the end of the year, people will sell an asset if they're at a loss because then they can take the capital losses, harvest those. Those go on to their. They get like, if they had gains in the last year, then it cancels out the gains. But if they had no gains, then they just have a loss credit essentially that carries over forever um, until they do have gains. Um, so that yeah, some people uh, do that. But if you you used to be able to, I think, I think with stocks and crypto, you used to be able to sell. And then just rebuy it back right then, like the next day or the, that same day even maybe. But now there's a, like a 30-day rule is you have to wait, I think, 30 days before you rebuy the asset. I mean, that would make sense. And, uh, you know, that the fees on Grayscale is, uh, dude, I think it was due to a lack of a better option, but it was like, you know, it's 7x more than a lot of the... A lot of the ETFs I got approved. So, I mean, even the space is relative, uh, relatively competitive. I think right now it's just a lot of uh, kind of like a, a re restructuring of capital or reallocation of capital, um, whether they stay or whether they go. I mean, we've had a lot of inflows uh, of these past three months. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of options for investors, uh, especially on the institutional side. So I'm, I'm, I'm bullish for that. I, I mean, even yesterday, or I think it was, yeah, uh, Look on Chain shared something. I don't know how I could share links here, but they just shared that, you know, BlackRock uh, put in, or BlackRock just uh, put in, like, I think it was like 254 million. Uh, this is a post by Look on Chain. And that was uh, directly onto uh, Coinbase Prime. So they were, they were reallocating as well. You know, it's, I think it feels like they're the, because these you weren't even able to have other than gbtc you weren't able to have uh you know these institutions with these etfs it was all it's all new so it, so it all has to be it has to be inflows it can't be outflows because there was nothing to sell essentially of those except for gbtc but um it feels like you know those are net positive for the industry as people are buying them and then it's the people, the retail and the other people, whoever else was buying elsewhere that was speculating on the on the buy and is selling the, the you know, buy the rumor, sell the news. They're selling. But I mean, by definition, there was there was no there was no supply in the ETF. So it has to be all net positive, kind of. Right. That, that That's what I'm hoping for. I mean, uh, personally, for me um, and my plan is, you know, keeping a lot of the BTC and looking at all the high beta plays as well. And then being able to hedge when you see more general outflows. Like right now, it's a bit frothy because you're 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 looking at uh, you're looking at BTC inflow <laughs> as a way of uh, general market direction, which is a bit scary. But at least, hey, it's transparent, right? So uh, from that, you know, like I'm 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 being able to you know being able to look at more so the uh, macro side of things. And this is you know with alts and other ecosystems and being able to see inflows there. Yeah, certainly. Uh, just one thing before we just continue with this, uh, we've just allowed Milch up as a speaker. So I don't know if you want to intro yourself. Yeah, thank you. And I'm not sure if I'm the the lucky one that gets to be that special guest you were, you were mentioning, Rock, but I'll take it. Um, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm uh, Cosmos, born and raised three years. So I recognize a lot of you guys here and uh, love the LDA team and what you guys are doing. So I like seeing the presence coming in here. And I think it's a perfect time to be talking about trading in perps because just from what my lead gen agency has seen a lot of our clients or people that we talk to, this is where they're putting a lot of their attention. So whether it's grants or we're, I think we're going to see a lot more of this kind of activity come through. Uh, and I hope so for my own selfish 
beliefs uh with some kind of privacy aspect to it so um but yeah this is what i do lead gen sales all in the cosmos glad to be up here yeah you're not the guest i was speaking about melch but you're definitely a special guest <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's great to have you and i think um you know with your network in the in the cosmos and ibc ecosystem um, I'm sure you see a lot with the various protocols that are building. So it's, it'd be interesting to have your insights on this, on this basis, definitely. Cool. Okay. So um, aside from the grayscale stuff then, because I think that's, that's a, a really interesting thing. One thing that you mentioned, Vincent, which is really interesting is like that you mentioned that it was a bit scary. And I think that's, that's kind of the way the market's reacting to it, in my opinion. Like, obviously there's, there's a, you know, uh, the kind of the definition of a whale in crypto is changing a bit because now we have the biggest whales from TradFi that are in the space. So, um, you know, seeing seeing tens of thousands of Bitcoin being sort of uh, slung around on chain in a way that we haven't seen in the past is quite unnerving. And I think a lot of people are kind of maybe a little bit wary of that. But one thing that's really positive is, although the price has, um, you know, slumped somewhat, in the last week, it's nothing really kind of out of the ordinary compared to what we would expect during a, a bull market pullback. I think if you bought the ETF on day one, then it probably looks a bit scary for you, especially if that's your first taste of Bitcoin and volatility. Um, but, you know, that's that's why in this space for the longest time we've all DCA'd, right? We've seen definitely, you know, in, in relation to the main topic, the, the perps in trading, we've definitely seen increases in volume uh, across the industry. I know yesterday on uh, QuickSwap, we had, um, I think we peaked at like 100 million in volume and then uh, daily volume. And then, uh, and that was actually pretty cool because we, we, for the first time in like a year, uh, we surpassed Uniswap. We finally caught up and surpassed Uniswap in volume on Polygon, which was pretty cool. Uh, I know uh, Kinetics has been doing a lot of volume lately. Um, does anyone have those stats? Um, Steve's probably the best person to ask. Yeah. Uh, Kinetics is actually the number one on Kava about volumes, and especially uh, spot and perpetuals. Wow, really? Yeah. That's cool. Hell yeah. We have the widest range of uh, liquidity across Kava with different pairs about uh, Axel Ethereum, normal wrapped Ethereum, wrapped BTC Kava pairs across with the lowest fees in V3 pairs so that we get a lot of volumes through the aggregation thanks to OpenOcean and other aggregators. I saw like ETH USD, you guys made a post I saw about ETH USDT and some other pairs that, uh, it's like over 100% yield or something. Am I getting that right? Yes. We want to attract much more liquidity to Kava and with this uh, APRs are amazing. Yeah, I'm going to go take a look. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Really happy to hear. Cool. Um, and uh, for the if any QuickSwap audience are listening, because QuickSwap hosted, uh, basically QuickSwap has made a sort of window into the cosmos from Polygon. Um, where on the quick swap drop down menu, you have kinetics and, and Kava and Cosmos. So, uh, quick swap community will get, uh, 1% of the, uh, kinetics 
total supply, which is pretty cool. And and uh, I believe Kinetics is doing its sale uh, very soon, like within, I think within a month, right? Uh, yeah, I believe so. So I'm interested in hearing from some of the other perks protocols, specifically those that are active on on osmosis, for example, and, and injective. So, um, Levana, I was just wondering, like, you know, in terms of the volume that Rot was talking about on the Polygon side, have you guys seen that kind of spike? And then just in general, how you see, like, the perps landscape evolving in the IBC ecosystem as things develop in, into the bull market? Well, I think we're seeing uh, people uh, adapt a risk-on um, mentality, which... You know, a lot of the um, Cosmos ecosystem, you know, was kind of hit very hard uh, from the uh, bear market, you know, this crypto winter, uh, more so than other ecosystems. So there was, you know, a lot of people that were a lot of, sorry, just uh, from outside. Um, So a lot of people that uh, were, you know, of a a very strong degen mindset um, got totally wrecked, um, you know, with the collapse of Terra and then you know, uh, subsequently the, you know, the dominoes that fell after that. Um, so there was a, a lull, you know, over the past year, which we saw pick up significantly in uh, Q4 um, in anticipation of the ETF. You know, there was, um, you know, there was kind of that, uh, a little bit of a slap in the face with the pullback. Um, but in general, we're seeing, uh, we've got about 17,000 users uh, now on Levana. And, um, you know, we're, we're seeing uh, the retention rates are, um, are, are pretty incredible at this point. So it, it, everything is uh, just kind of moving up and to the right as we see a, uh, a very positive shift from risk off to, to risk on mentality. Do you think that the, um, the risk on within the IBC ecosystem more generally has been helped by the advent of um, the blue chip stables coming over in the last like year or 18 months where, you know, USDC, I think was the first and then uh, USDT more recently on Carver. Uh, liquidity always begets liquidity. And, you know, when you have more uh, assets that you can deploy, so then, you know, more can be locked up in protocols. Um, liquidity gets deeper, uh, slippage and fees decrease, relatively speaking. So it all helps. You know, one of the things that separates Levana from most other perps is that we provide, in, in addition to uh, stablecoin backed perps, um, our bread and butter is um, is crypto asset backed perps. So, uh, at Adam, uh, liquid staked Adam, Tia, uh, the Axelar wrapped Bitcoin, Axelar wrapped ETH, those are our most popular markets. So, we haven't. Um, you know, we we've seen um, synthetic markets like uh, being able to offer Doge, um, being able to offer real world assets um, like uh, you know forex pairs um, have benefited significantly from uh, stable coins. But I think it's still pretty early. You know, you see a lot of the big bag holders um, are trading with their crypto assets uh, as opposed to, to stable coins, and I and I think that that's just a. Um, uh, you know, a mentality and, and habit that's just going to evolve over time. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. What do you think of like, um, <clears throat> I know there was some protocols on uh, within IBC um, that was thinking of doing over collateralized stable coins. How, how do you think that kind of model compares with the, you know, the traditional sort of like 
uh, bond back stable coins that we've got on that started off on ETH? Well, I think it's it's about uh, the value driver. Um, you know, censorship is a lot more difficult uh, on within Cosmos. Um, you know, because the the central issuer like USDC, um, when that's uh, you know when you're actually the the trading is happening off of the chain where the asset is minted on, you know, via some type of an IBC transfer. Uh, so the you know the the, the risks that may exist on other ecosystems like Ethereum uh, don't exist. And so the competitive nature of the trustless uh, stable coins, you know, like the, the over collateralized model, I don't think we have appetites for the um, rebalancing stable coins or under collateralized stable coins or purely algorithmic stable coins. It, they'll, they'll come, um, but it, we're probably, you know, five years or, or, or so away from that part of the market cycle. Um, just because of the the scar tissue of you know the previous market cycle, and so you have to just look at the um, you know the 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 unique value offering of uh, USDC and the different flavors of that or tether that are on Cosmos, and then compare that to the the trustless or semi trustless um, alternatives. And I think that the uh, the gap between them um, is far less differentiated within. Uh, the IBC ecosystem than it is within, uh, or, you know, other uh, more homogenous uh, uh, chains. Wait, can you expand on that? What, what do you mean by the gap between them? And 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 what what are what would you call the more um, decentralized uh, or or trustless on the spectrum uh, stablecoins? Well, if it's uh, you know if it's just a, a bonded stablecoin, meaning that there's a centralized entity that is. Um, custodying U.S. dollars or the equivalent um, in a bank, and then is using that uh, in order to uh, to issue uh, assets on chain, and those assets have some type of uh, you know vast compliance, like a virtual asset service provider, or you know they have some type of censorship mechanism that's actually built into the contracts, like uh, what both Circle and Tether have. Um, so those um, those those coins. Um, you know, are uh, they're banker coins? You know, it's not uh, it's not a central bank digital currency, but it's the closest thing that we have in the market today to you know uh, a central bank digital currency. Um, you compare that to something like uh, um, single collateral die, you know, from MakerDAO circa 2020, where it was um, just over collateralized, um, you know, uh, ETH. Uh, you know, today I know that there's you know a lot of USDC under the hood for MakerDAO, so it kind of fits in this like um, you know hybrid model. Um, but there's you know plenty. We've got uh, uh, USK on uh, Kajira, you know, which is backed by a basket of crypto assets. And then the, I think there's no shortage of other um, attempts at at the same play to be able to uh, rehypothecate uh, liquidity within. Uh, crypto assets in order to be able to generate either a direct stable coin or a volatility dampened um, storage of value. And those sit really on the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of the the trust factor around a central entity than what you have from the, the tethers and the circles of the world. Uh, but that being said, the actual risks associated with uh, censorship um, are diminished uh, because um, of the trustless nature of IBC and the ability to transact on third-party chains that 
um, may not have some of the same uh, uh, regulatory concerns or um, uh, you know, even ability to be able to censor as what you could if, uh, for example, we were just uh, transacting on Uniswap on, on Ethereum, where um, essentially at a click of a button, Tether or Circle can you know, blacklist an account. It's a more challenging from a technical perspective to be able to do that um, if you are a few hops away because of multiple IBC transactions. That's an interesting point. In way, like the way that, um, so on on the one hand, it's easier to trust the bonded stable coins like the you know the traditional um, tether and, and USDC because you know you perceive that or you know you can verify in some cases that there's a bond that backs or, or cash or a cash equivalent that backs your stable coin. But then on the other hand, it's also it's harder to trust them because you know that they're centralized and you know that they can do things like blacklists. So there's definitely like a, a balance to be struck there for sure. Um, I don't know if you, Rock, I don't know if you want to mention the um, the uh, developer from Doge that's building a Doge back stable card. This is kind of a wild idea and a lot of people will probably recoil in horror at that. Um, although he, he seems to think that He's got a very good mechanism for sort of correcting the uh, obviously crazy volatility that can come with that. Yeah, I think the main concept is just like super over collateralization um, so that even if you have like an 80% drop, it's all right, I guess. Um, I don't know the full details on it, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, making a stablecoin backed by Doge, which is highly volatile, um, definitely seems... Um, it's one of the wilder ideas. I've yeah, had. yeah. If, if if it wasn't for um, my faith in the guy that's doing it, I would say like that. That sounds like a crazy idea, but um, yeah, he's a really good dev and really understands security and stuff. His name is Owen. Uh, he's one of the original Doge devs. But um, yeah, I think. I mean, I just, I just would love to see people continue to try to attack this problem because I don't like that the industry industry is kind of like conceding and just saying, okay, well. After Terra Luna and some of these other collapses, well, it's impossible to do a decentralized stablecoin. So we're just going to like all just uh, just go with USDC and USDT, which, you know, and look, they they play a great role in the industry and I'm, I'm happy they exist. And there's a lot of people that use them. Uh, and, you know, even Bitcoiners have started to open their minds to stablecoins because they realize, you know, some countries, some people can't stomach the volatility, uh, you know, week to week in Bitcoin or in any of these assets. So. Um, you know, I, I, USDT and USDC play a good role, die as well. Um, but it would be nice if we could find something that's, you know, more decentralized. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Just, just one quick PSA. Sorry. Uh, before we continue for anybody that, um, is, uh, not speaking currently and has points to make on this. We we run the spaces in a very like relaxed way, so don't don't feel shy of just jumping in if you've got some points to make. Obviously, I'm going to direct questions at various parties from time to time to keep things moving. But feel free to just weigh in. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Lavana. So what's interesting if you think about what Perps uh, provides, if you can have exposure to uh, the inverse of an asset alongside with uh, the asset itself. Like let's say you know a a one x exposure to Bitcoin and a, a you know a one x short to Bitcoin, then essentially you have 
um, you you can create uh, like let's say an ETF of that, and then um, that functions uh, very similarly to a stablecoin, and it is completely trustless. Now the the downside of it is is that you have to you know whoever is is managing uh, this ETF, it's uh, you know there's there needs to be shock resistance to it so that you know either side of that trade doesn't end up uh, getting wiped out, which is r- relatively uh, you know, safe if you think about it. If you're only um, dealing with like a one x short, um, but you you will end up with some type of a you know funding rate that needs to be externally managed either through a cash and carry or other mechanism. But I think that there is uh, room in the design space for uh, trustless stable coins um, to be able to uh, really ma- manufacture some type uh, some new mechanism of a stable coin um, that is trustless uh, that leverages. Um, this type of implementation, you know, backed by perps. I was actually going to bring up this point, Jonathan, and I'm very happy you did. Because um, we, we've seen an experiment like UXD, uh, like more than a year ago. And as you mentioned, like the funding rates on those, like imagine you have $1 billion of a coin or, or of a stable coin, and you need to have a $1 billion short to hedge it. I mean, you might end up, or this stablecoin might become almost like the biggest trader, whether it's on-chain or off-chain. Um, so I think we saw at least one, one or two iterations. One thing that either this protocol face, and you mentioned, like it's as big as the on-chain prop market allows. Um, and so overall, like we're still, let's say, 50x away from off-chain volume. So thank you. There is some nice tries on this part, but maybe it's too early, or at least it, it would be easier with a bigger on-chain market. Um, the other one that's, I think, kind of launching right now is Ethina, which is pretty much the same idea, where I think they use staked ETH, which generate yields, and also short the same, um, the same asset. Then I think the difference here is to get volume, they actually go a bit on centralized exchange, so that, again, like, at the end of the day, you kind of have to trust that. Uh, but they're also working with like synthetics, etc., to take on big trades on chain. Well, we've actually at Lavana, um, we've uh, you know we've built this type of a stable coin, which actually uses liquid stake derivatives, you know, similar to the ETH, uh, the stake ETH model that you um, that you mentioned, in order to offset the cost of. The you know any borrow fees or, or funding rates that are associated um, with creating this uh, you know paired uh, asset with uh, the the long and the and the short, um, but it's just about uh, you know building this and kind of not falling into the trap of uh, you know Terra Luna where you you kind of bring something to to market um, that uh, doesn't you know has has scaling issues and then you know if it, if it really takes off then you can end up with egg in your face. But uh, but I I firmly believe that some uh, you know whether it's it's Lovana or whether you know there will probably be many different uh, uh, perp systems that bring some type of iteration of this implementation to market. Um, I, I do believe that this will play a significant role um, in number one just allowing perps to be able to grow to a massive scale, and then uh, number two you know allowing for uh, the type of perps which Lovana has developed, which is the the in kind um, crypto back perps. Um, to be able to to generate stable coins off of uh, a, a wide variety of crypto assets.
um, which can be really awesome in the Cosmos ecosystem. Because now imagine, you know, like let's, uh, you know, let's say that a new chain launches, like say launches, and you know they've got deep liquidity on chain of their own native token, um, and so you can take a whole bunch of that liquidity that doesn't necessarily have a use case today, and then at a click of a button turn it into a relatively stable um, or significantly volatility dampened asset, which then can um, be interoperable with other applications, you know, running on the same network. So that's, that's kind of the vision um, uh, as to where we're headed. Uh, Lavana's mindset is, um, you know, in regards to the, you know, the, the stable coin conversation. I'd be curious, you know, to take this back one step, Lavana, I think this is incredible timing because just yesterday, you guys put out the announcement with Shade Protocol, which everyone here knows I'm big fans of, been with them since day one in, in Cosmos, and chatting about over-collateralized, decentralized stable coins. I think theirs, Silk, is, is in a good position to kind of fill that gap that UST used to, but it also brings that level of uh, you know privacy where... I think when you're when you're talking about trading large volumes, you know you don't want certain things to be visible. So I'm curious how you know with you guys teaming up with Shade and just announcing that yesterday, how do you see that privacy or their stablecoin fill in some of the gaps that you're talking about? Well, there's again, this is this comes to the power of IBC, where you know an application um, like Lavana can live on one chain and then leverage the utility like the privacy features uh, of a complete of an application you know like shade that's on a completely different blockchain and create a, a relatively seamless user experience you know we see uh, kind of a, a crawl walk run approach um, with integrating with uh, with you know secret and the applications that are, are built on secret so the first iteration there actually went live today uh, which was the launch of the um, LVN Shade Pool, which we're, we're very excited about, and you know we've we've seen a lot of uh, positive feedback from you know our users at Lavana for that. And the next stage there is um, is going to be the LP tokens, uh, which are uh, real yield, uh, single sided, siloed assets, where you know you do, you deposit Bitcoin. And then you earn Bitcoin from traders, and you earn it every six seconds. You know, every every time a block is produced, um, uh, you know, within the Cosmos ecosystem. And then being able to take that now, this is a real yield interest bearing Bitcoin, and then be able to trade that in and out of stablecoins um, in uh, a privacy enriched area. I think is a killer use case that really hasn't been adequately addressed within the broader market. And then the next stage after that. Is um is actually the leverage positions themselves being able to uh, trade them in uh, you know in a marketplace um, you know with uh, the, the 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 protection of privacy. I think I'm in love. Thank you. <laughs> That's that last one is the one that sounds the most interesting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there there really isn't a good um, place today to just privately go 30x long bitcoin and then you know and 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 not and it's not just uh because of the idea that um you know i don't want uh anybody knowing what my profits and losses are is that i don't want people um revealing i, I don't want to reveal my edge you know if i have certain uh thought processes around um you know rumors and news 
um, I might not necessarily want people to just have access to a, every trade that I've made over the you know the past six months, where they really can, especially with the um, the you know oasis of AI that we have today, where data analysis, which may have taken a whole team um, historically, you know either today or in the very near future, uh, pattern recognition uh, is going to um, just be a great equalizer in, in terms of uh, reverse engineering various uh, different trading uh, strategies. So we see that um, AI is probably going to be a major catalyst uh, for the the narrative of privacy. Yeah, I was thinking in in addition to that, it's it, being able to not have certain like liquidation points. I think is is a big attraction attracting point to. Anybody that's looking to to play around with perps and in the cosmos is, you know, you don't you don't want that stuff visible either. I'd be curious, LDA guys, what do you guys see from from you guys and outside of the cosmos? What you know, how does that compare to uh, privacy inside the cosmos? Do you guys see like cosmos is kind of spearheading the way with privacy and leverage trading or um you know, is there is there ground to be made up, and the people that are doing it now are gonna gonna get the lion's share of it, like uh, Levana and Shade? So i I don't think that. Um, so we've been very careful about working on privacy stuff at LDA, um, because as much as we love the space and. And there's a lot of huge, huge privacy advocates at LDA, like very serious privacy advocates. We also don't want to be martyrs and we don't want to uh, get into any legal trouble. So we really try to, you know, we're a California based company. So we really try to follow the rules and not take risks as as much as I hate having to do that. You know, it's like I hate taxes, but I pay them. I don't I don't mess around because I don't want to be put in a cage. So I'm we've been talking about it recently about working on more privacy-based stuff because we have such a passion for it. But our current decision is let's be careful and just keep, watch how the industry plays out because if at any moment, um, you know, the regulators decide to come down on privacy protocols, we don't want to be in the crosshairs. So that that's where we stand. But I 100%, million percent, super respect you know, projects like uh, Shade, you know, Secret and all the stuff they're doing. Uh, and any anyone who's building privacy in the space, like I'm just so happy that they're doing it and they're willing to take the risk for our freedoms. Um, I'm, I guess, uh, a bit of a, a weenie on that one. I'm just too scared to work on it after we've seen the stuff with Tornado Cash and others. But I think there's a way to solve it where the regulators, I guess the main thing with Tornado Cash was that it was like, had a custodial element, which I didn't even know. And I had used tornado cash before. I didn't know it had a custodial element. Um, but yeah, I, I applaud anyone who's willing to work on privacy stuff. I absolutely love it. So was it not the front end to... that, um, was it not the front end on tornado cash that the, the recent arrests, like in the last couple of years, was that not to do with running the front end? Oh, I'm unsure. That's what I would have thought. But then I've heard yeah. from a couple different people that there was some, kind of custodial element to it but i i don't i don't see how because of the way that i thought it worked it didn't seem custodial does anyone know well i i i'm not uh i i'm not 100 percent positive so i but i can i can tell you just from the um 
you know, from the the, the general technology the, uh, around, um, you know, zero knowledge proofs, um, which is, and I was, I led BD at Starkware for about two years, um, you know, in 2019 to 21. And uh, in, in that generation of, um, ZKPs, the the sequencing was off, often a um, a choke point, meaning that in order to be able to you know um, in order to be able to actually uh, create the the you know the the proofs and to ensure that there is no double spend and you know a lot of the other things that we just kind of take for granted on public blockchains where you have the you know public verification of multiple nodes. Um, the uh, you know the, the the circuits in the in the layer two environment um, are run by one uh, sequencer, which then um, verifies you know through the the proof systems um, that you know that the that no funny business happened. So I don't know if that was the case for uh, Tornado Cash, but I know just are you saying that being- because there's just one sequencer that the regulators could say that sequencer. I guess would that sequencer have seen the data? I guess they would have to have seen the data to do to create the proof. Exactly. That that's my. Um, this is this is uh, you know ar- armchair conjecture here. You know, uh, like the you know sitting on the couch as a, a detective with uh, very little data. But um, based on how other protocols worked at the time that I am familiar with, one of the reasons, like if you look, you know, uh, Starkware for example. Um, initially launched uh, off of the the technology of Zcash, which was a privacy coin. And when Starkware, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, created its first offering of uh, of Starkex, um, it was uh, they completely dropped all elements of privacy because they really didn't have any, um, I mean, you know, like the leg to stand on. Is that the phrase? They didn't have a um, that they. You know, it, it everything was just run essentially through a, a, a central sequencer, which was um, which could perform. Um, it, you know, was non custodial. I couldn't rug your funds, but it had complete ability to perform censorship. Um, data availability was, uh, you know, uh, a friends and family type of operation. You know, it was completely uh, permissioned. It was a proof of authority, uh, similar uh, infrastructure, not literally proof of authority, but but something in, in that ballpark. And so I can imagine uh, how that would be nitpicked um, by regulators. But but again, it's, it's, it's conjecture. But they couldn't see, like whoever was running any of these sequencers or any of this, they couldn't tell oh person a inserted money and person z took out that money with the receipt they can't see that tr- that that receipt went from person a to person z can they on chain they couldn't um but can we verify that um that the, that there wasn't an ability to be able to uh kind of put those to you know put put those together I mean, there was a, you know, one of the, the, the tech limitations was that um, size of deposits and withdrawals um, had very rigorous um, uh, limitations. You know, you couldn't just uh, deposit like 6.13 Bitcoin here and, you know, then withdraw whatever amount that you wanted there. And I think that some of the, the reason for that um, was because that would have made it um, 
obvious what was private and what wasn't private. So uh, I think, again, um, I'm, I'm out, of, out of my element here and, and shooting from the hip, but, uh, but I, I think that it's, uh, it's where the real focus of privacy, um, at least in that generation of uh, layer two infrastructure, uh, was what actually showed up on chain, not necessarily what was happening on the AWS account. Cool. Well, really happy to hear that you guys at Levana are building uh, perps with privacy uh, over time. That'll be cool to well, see. To be clear, that, and we've got a similar, you know, number one is uh, you should check out Portugal. It's a beautiful country. Um, you know, it's a very similar look and uh, feel as California, just throwing that out there. And uh, second thing is that um, the, the, the modular approach of Cosmos, I think, is a, a real value driver that. Levana doesn't really even have to build privacy as long as there's fungible tokens, which then can seamlessly interact with third parties that do support privacy, like Shade, that um, becomes a complete game changer because it, even it, 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 uh, it, it uh, reduces, not only does it reduce the technical overhead of having to rebuild all of this kind of private stack, but it... Um, you know, creates a clear differentiator. Like you can put any fungible assets onto these uh, privacy-focused chains, and then those uh, assets can be interacted with with various different degrees of privacy um, without it uh, having really anything to do with the core protocol itself. And I think that that's the approach that uh, Levan, at least at this time, is you know very uh, very excited to see. Is that uh, you know there should be um, there should be different use cases and that users should have the uh, flexibility uh, to be able to decide how they want to work with those use cases without it actually um, being reliant on any specific implementation you know, from the core perps product of Levana itself. So I think uh, as often happens on these spaces, we're getting sucked down the privacy rabbit hole. Um, it's super, super engaging. Uh, as a, a conversation topic but i know it's close to rock's heart and i know that we we tend to drift towards privacy in every one of these spaces um so the danger of of falling off the deep end and getting into some of the real deep privacy related topics i'm interested to hear from uh Abitesh, who didn't get to join us for introductions he's from filament um and i think they're doing something with perps as well so it'd be good to just um have a brief intro from your advertise and then kind of talk to talk to the audience about filament a little uh absolutely thank you so much Jack. uh and can you please invite uh, Pratiksh as well he tried to a couple of times request as a speaker um uh yes we can we're just at a bit of a premium for speaker spots right now i've got a few people waiting so we're going to try and as people like naturally filter out as the space goes on we'll add some new people um, sure, sounds good. Um, hello everyone, I'm Abhitej. Um, I'm co-founder at Filament. Uh, we are building a hyper-perpetual DEX um, and we are taking a novel approach in terms of uh, building an order book on a new liquidity pool model, which is called compartment-based model. Uh, what we have seen um, generally in perpetuals is um, that there are two basic models that have been announced now at least for a few years. Um, one of those is auto books, which are very hard to bootstrap. You need a lot of infusion of 
uh, extra capital, a lot of dependence on market makers um, to bootstrap markets on these products. And the other one is liquidity pool based models, which are um, which initially started by GMX. And then, of course, we have seen multiple folks of GMX or variations of GMX model um, across different ecosystems. But kind of like they pose a huge risk um, in trending markets, uh, which is seemingly becoming more and more evident as we've seen in the last seven days or over time, like in a trending markets, they pose a huge risk for the liquidity providers uh, and particularly also um, how uh, a lot of times a, one trader making a huge profit can actually affect the trading on the entire protocol. So due to um, to make sure that some of you can bring best of those together is how we have started working on filament um, and starting solving three main things that we feel are important. Um, one of the important things that we when went to talk to a lot of traders um, who majorly trade on centralized exchanges, um, when this came from the thought process that even after being there more than 40%, 40 uh, perp dexes, Today, uh, only 1% of the entire perpetual trading actually happens on chain. So what are some of the hindrances these traders face? And one of those was that most traders don't rely on pub dexes um, outside of audit book policies purely because the funding rate or the rates um, on these protocols are very, very volatile. Um, most models use kind of would say compensatory methods to ensure that the long and short sides are managed, but they generally are not very effective because they, your funding rates are still very volatile. Um, the uh, second thing is capital utilization. Um, on why? Why are they more? Why would funding rates um, on decentralized perps? be more volatile than on centralized if you you have to manage those two sides to manage risk right can you explain more about that yeah uh, absolutely so so when when you talk about um on a centralized exchange the depth of the order book is in, in a way managed in, since all of they have huge liquidity that is backing it the depth sort of increases in terms of like you are continuously taking um uh, both, both the ends of the model book are being managed. In a liquidity pool model, um, if you particularly look at how it happens is that when a trader comes and they puts a position, um, now if every trader is taking a long uh, side, the, all the liquidity pool is taking a short side. So kind of like as the utilization goes higher, you can continuously sort of like now charging very high fees um, to these traders. And that's sort of like, it can go very rapidly and can come down very rapidly as well if a trader makes uh, like uh, a loss or profit. And so that this sort of utilization and how this is happening is how on uh, liquidity based models, the funding rates are not that stable. Um, if that in a basic term explains uh, rock because you kind of like are dependent on your underlying liquidity uh, in terms of how much utilization is being done uh, on your uh, order book. So you don't have an order book, so you're kind of like you're always taking an opposite side. Yeah. And there's some protocols that are trying to um, basically just hedge the bets instead of hedging 
you know, either as much or at all with the liquidity pool, you can hedge by just going delta neutral with another DEX, right? Or another decentralized. Yes. Yeah, so, so th there are various approaches that a lot of uh, DEXs are taking. One of is also like building hybrid models with spot markets. So you, you have an AMM pool that is supporting uh, your order books or something like Vertex or Drift Protocol is trying to do um, same things. But what kind of like becomes complicated there is you're 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 compounding the risk of your protocol with creating a lot of uh, products and intermingling them. Um, and so uh, that, is, that is sort of like one of the things uh, which now, like, of course, there are also very successful Vertex is doing good, very good um, volumes. But if you look at the most successful models, they have been out of book for the longest period of time. Um, and, and perpetuals as well. That's where most volume is also. Uh, but more like, interesting models are coming up with is like if you've uh, seen Hyperliquid, right? So if you look at Hyperliquid, they've incorporated a market making vault. So now you have an order book um, and to ensure that the spread is managed very, um, very effectively, they have their own market maker, but that also like allows them to list newer markets. So you can have a lot more markets that can come in uh, without the dependence on external market makers. Um, and and that now that is a pure um, pups model um, that is that, that kind of sounds like you, you know solvers uh, in Uniswap and like QuickSwap, where you can where market makers can come in and they can make markets in a in a it's still decentralized and it's on chain, but it's uh, you know these entities can come in and, and plug into the on chain. Is that is that right? And would, yes, I, absolutely, absolutely. That that's the right thing, and I think so. That is a like a step forward. Our next generation of perp taxes, um, kind of would see that like a lot of integration of these market makers along, and not just market makers, right? If I am a trader and I can pool some capital and make profits on just this spread, and I understand which assets operate uh, which way, you kind of are like attracting a huge like a whole new segment to come in and start operating your product. And that actually increases the stability of your um, product. So yes, solvers is a great example. You could say walls, like market making walls is an example. Um, and so kind of like, these are some of the ways you are actually growing your stability on your protocol, just then just depending on how um, your liquidity pool itself is functioning. Um, so just before you continue, Avatesh, I would love to get um, Steve's opinion on some of this stuff because he's obviously very technically minded in the perp space and also the speaker from Lavana as well because, as you mentioned, there's multiple different approaches to this. So I'd love to hear some like comment on what you've just mentioned. Yeah, let's explain generally in the GMX V1 version, which was a fork of cap V1 and uh, later improved by X. Um, yeah, the funding rate based on uh, the utilization was the wrong decision at the beginning. Uh, later with the JMX V2, we see now the margin fees are calculated based on the exposure of the pool itself. So when you have more longs, you get penalized. And when you're taking a short position, you get incentivized to open a position, which opens arbitrage for the market makers. So in generally, the market should be itself regulate and uh, open the longs and shorts in your pool. 
on top of this, when you are working with market makers or your own bots, uh, you can simply hatch externally your exposure so that you are also in, in self with your pool delta neutral or neutral against longs and shorts and uh, can open, let's say, on Binance or uh, centralized or decentralized exchange or multiple chains, your positions. So Steve, can you, for, I'm, I'm guessing if I'm, if I'm um, a little lost on this and, you know, we, we've built uh, Perps products, can you explain that again, how that changed uh, and what the, what the mistake was and what the new solution is? A little slower for all of us, you know, okay. layman here. <laughs> So let's explain this way. Uh, generally, you want to protect your pool. Let's say on GMX is a GLP pool. Now you want to have less short exposure and more long exposure when you're thinking that the market will go up or uh, down because long exposure is not so problematically on the GMX V1 version as the assets are the cultural itself. So when the market BTC price is going up, you have no issues because the, the, uh, the people can only max get pay out the amount they are borrowed from you. <clears throat> Let's say in this case, we have 80% exposure longs. You are fully kept. Your open interest is fully used. Now the user is paying over 1,600% APR and borrow fees from you. Uh, but nobody opening a short, so your pool is much exposed to longs. Uh, actually, meaning the meaning if, there's, if they win, the pool be hurt because there's a lot of longs and not enough shorts to, to neutral out. Uh, it's not that difficult or much that exposure for GMX itself or the GLP model that you have to say, oh, I get wrecked as a protocol itself. As you know, when you open a long with Ethereum, your culture is long. So uh, as the, also the borrowed culture is long in the pool. But you know, the pool exposure with culturals like volatile assets, um, how, you know, um, Levana was saying, you know, when you have stable pooled uh, uh, LP-based DEXs, it's like, yo, you have no exposure to the market, but you have stable pooled uh, and the market is going up. You see this on gains. There was a lot of impact during high volatility times that the pool was affected highly. On JMX, the issue was the high fee which you know getting wrecked the traders because they're paying so high margin fees for their position you know it was nearly you know not competitive with centralized exchange and then they get no. kind of forced to either keep paying those funding rates or close their position out and take yeah or getting liquidated even when the liquidation price was not hit because the my the the cultural was eaten out from the borrow fees so it was like, hey, why I get uh, liquidated? And, you know, it was because your funding rates were so high that your borrow fee for your position, you know, killed your position even much shorter and, you know, with lost, lost different uh, liquidity prices. Which is cool for the protocol and for the LPs, but not cool for the trader. When the trader is not satisfied, it's not coming back to you. Or searching a much cheaper uh, op opinion, you know, opportunity. Now, actually, it's more like when the long and the shorts are not balanced, the sides which is not balanced getting incentivized or penalized with uh, negative or positive funding rates. Um, even the protocol itself can hatch itself and make this neutral in, in, and earn money with this when we're making arbitrage with other protocols. When we have too much long exposure and the shorts are, you know, let's say incentivized on Binance, we can open and hatch again. Yeah, that's that's. 
and earning money with this and adding money. Yeah, that, that's exciting for us too at Hover. I mean, we're looking into uh, how can we build out fixed income? How can we integrate, you know, uh, liquid staked uh, products and build you a delta neutral, basically a delta neutral uh, opportunity, right? And I think it was uh, really hard to do delta hedge for borrow rates as opposed or like funding rates as opposed to having, uh, yeah, like borrow rates as opposed to having funding rates because I think uh, funding uh, borrowing rates uh, actually cost us a lot, no matter what side of the market we were on. So, I mean, the fact that you guys are moving towards uh, being able to incentivize the other side of the trade or the other uh, positions uh, helps us because now we can incentivize hedging. And we can also do a lot of the, uh, you know, like uh, centralized exchange delta hedges too. So that that's cool. Can I ask you a question related to, just one thing, sorry, just, just some related to the, the hedging side of things. So um, a couple of people in this space have spoke about using centralized exchanges to hedge um decentralized perps and it, i'm just kind of thinking like it's just this is from a, a layman's point of view obviously i'm not a dev but um do you not think we're kind of like uh building something then that relies on a centralized entity but it's still decentralized it's kind of a bit less stable than if it was just pure decentralized even though it might be more efficient right jack let me explain this uh, way uh intent intent based or let's say simio was the, you know making the first intent based hedging with binance uh in the end i don't think that's optimal because um in case let's say uh, some scenarios in my brain because i'm so much risk protection of my protocol itself so let's say one user depositing fraudulent usdt let's say north korea is open a long position in the protocol and now your hedger sends this usdt to your binance account what will happen to your binance account it will close or shut down yep, because yeah, of the yeah, so in this case, all your protocol is, sorry to say, fucked up because one guy deposited money into your uh, hedger. In this case, what we are doing with the perp v2 when we launch, our hedger or let's say our arbitrage aggregator is only using decentralized exchange to hedge. I know that a lot of this intent-based protocols try to make this with Binance because they're earning double of money because they're self-afflating them. You know, let's say I have a hedger account, and now my personal account have F-lit or ref, ref, ref this guy, you know, my uh, hedge account. So I getting double fee commissions, which I don't need to extract to my investors. So that's how, why they're using uh, this account. So I know this and this, you know, it's not cool because in the end, when something is happening, because Binance closed the account, you get, let's say, L, uh, anti-money laundering, you know, compliance issues with your account, all the positions will be liquidated, even on chain. Oh, this is exciting stuff, man. And uh, even for us, I mean, like you, what what you spoke about was uh, mainly inventory management, right? For, uh, you know, multi-strategy funds that are looking for active opportunities, uh, market making, things like that. Um, for building out products, uh, especially on our side, I mean, this this also helps a lot as well. Uh, you know, some of the things that we want to do is, uh, you know, uh, hedge the assets that we are uh, farming or hedge the assets that we are earning uh, uh, liquid state yields on. So this is uh, particularly helpful for us because now we have uh, less to hedge and we can probably look over the fees a, a lot more and find uh, we can, you know, earn from basis trades too. Yeah, like, so if you can earn, let's give an example. If you're earning, say, 10% on Adam uh, staking it, but if you're a fund, many, fun, there, many funds are, they're like uh, delta neutral funds. They, they do not want to take a directional bet. So what they would try to do there is 
they would try to get their 10% on Adam and then short it somewhere else. So they buy the Adam, then they short it somewhere else. So they're neutral Adam. They haven't, they haven't made the price go up or down because they're buying it, getting that, that yield. And then they're on the, somewhere else, they're trying to find a way to short it equally for less than the 10% and then they take the difference. So if they can short it for 5%, they're earning 5% for no risk. Or just simply platform risk. And to to jump in here, the Lavana has a um, uses a peer to pool model, uh, and we I, I totally agree with the assessment um, of you know the the GMX v one uh, and you know all the the forks or clones um, and how there was a lot of room for improvement on on the borrow mechanism that they had. And what we've done at Lavana. Uh, is uh, is a, cu- a couple interesting things is that one is that the uh, the borrow uh, rates um, and the funding rates are um, are, are decoupled, um, so it is the 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 market is far more um, uh, favorable to cash and carry mechanisms or, or basis trading, uh, which would allow for these um, you know the, these more sophisticated, initially more sophisticated market makers, and you know we have a, a, a dozen or so of them that are balancing out markets um, on the larger markets on Lavana today, um, and we, we you know we've been able to, to to track their profitability, and it's a, you know it's been they've actually made I think made more money than the uh, uh, than the directional traders uh, since Lavana launched about eight months ago, um, so we see that 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 kind of thesis has been playing out, and our goal now is to. And just simplify that through the use of automated vaults, um, which a prerequisite that, as you know, I, I, I think it was you know, Steve or, or whoever had mentioned it, is that it, it must all be through DeFi. You know, you can't have a DeFi protocol which is kind of like you know dancing at the wedding of of uh, centralized finance and trying to dance at the wedding of uh, of um, of DeFi. You know, it just it doesn't work. And can, then, can I jump in there? Because I, I, I wanted to ask please. Steve this, but I didn't want to interrupt. But I want to understand what both of you are kind of saying here. What is the problem with people hedging on a centralized exchange if it's, a, it, it's not the protocol? It's not some shadowy hand of the protocol. It's not, they're not managing user funds. It's just simply a market maker is playing arbitrage and being a go-between. So the market maker sees... Oh, the funding rates are different here. I got a negative funding rate or, uh, you know, I can make a uh, I can make, you know, I could delta neutral and make a make a profit through whatever referral fees like Steve mentioned or um, negative funding rates or just lower funding rates. And the, and the delta between those. Why does it matter if one if the market maker or the person or whoever it is, an individual, why does it matter if they're in North Korea makes, and if they get what, liquidated? What, That's what, just one position. What's what, the problem? Let me, let me explain this way. Uh, intent-based protocols are mirroring your trade, simply, not hatching it. So you open your loan, it's intent, and it's open for you on Binance. It's simply, if oh, you like... Oh, you're saying the whole protocol is doing it. Yes. So, But oh, if yeah, the market maker is doing this product. arbitrage trade, it's, nobody cares about this. But when the protocol itself... Uh, RFQ intent-based protocol is simply completely hatched or mirroring your trade on a centralized exchange and something will happen to his market-making account. Even yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the protocols don't even have a market-making account, they have personal accounts opening there, you know? And they need yeah, to rebalance. So you're saying, okay, I'm, I make a DEX, we'll call it mirror DEX. And yes. traders come, they put in their positions, they put in their longs, they put in their shorts. And all I'm doing is I'm just cloning those 
on a centralized exchange. And right. I'm a central entity that if something happens to me, now the whole thing collapses. Their positions disappeared because it's, you know, yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of the antithesis of decentralized trading as well, like on a, on a fundamental level. I know, like, I know obviously it's probably quite efficient as a model because, as Steve mentioned, you can get, you know, ref fees and everything else. So as a revenue generating model, probably really efficient, but it's, uh, you know, fast money is easy come, easy go, right? Yeah, the market maker go-between thing is really cool to me, actually, because there's just like what it does is like the market makers have to plug into the trade just like anyone else. There's never a custodial um, like nobody holds anyone's funds. It's just like I'll, I'm more familiar with the like the decks, the the spot decks version. So I'll just kind of explain it from a spot. MV, yes, yes a movie. Correct. <laughs> It's simply a LP, which is uh, setting up as LP range or MEV. You know, it's like an arbitrage bot on a spot. But on prep taxes, the market maker are needed to up out the uh, difference in uh, margin fees. But the intent-based protocol, which is simply cloning your position on a centralized exchange, is for me not cool. And there will yeah. be soon a lot of issues with this. Yeah, what I'm talking about, though, is like, um, like say, from the, the spot side is traders come to the i'll use quickswap as an example because that's the one i know the best but on a trader comes to the front end of quickswap they say i want to swap you know whatever one eth for one whatever for whatever now when they're typing that in on the back end that information starts getting sent to market makers these market makers now through a solver system uh like unix or we have our liquidity hub on quickswap and we have solvers that can plug in so these market makers can now plug in and go oh I can give a better trade to this person than the LPs on the AMM. So the AMM becomes like the core and the fallback if market makers can't provide a better price. If market makers can provide a better price, the trade goes to the market maker. It, it's done all with smart contracts. It still uses the same routers and same um, you know, internal swap smart contracts and stuff, but you're just giving the, the market maker uh, a, a shot at the trade saying, can you do a better trade? So stuff like that's really cool where you're bringing traditional world in, allowing them to play and it's still completely non-custodial. Um, and then it, in perps now, the analog in perps is like they're, do, they're helping with the hedging, they're helping with the arbitraging. And I think that's actually really cool and efficient and good for the users. Well, the, the, this, the, the, one of the challenges, uh, first of all, I agree with you that as long as it's designed in the structure that you, um, that you defined where it's essentially a peer-to-peer -peer model and we don't even need to know how, you know, uh, if, if, if person A comes in and is creating some type of an imbalance and they're paying a fee and then person B says, oh, I'm going to counter trade that. I'm going to collect some of that fee, but then overall reduce the, the the borrow rate or the funding rate for person A. So person A is happy, person B is happy. Nobody really gives a crap how person B did this. That's their own business. They could be using a million other um, the services. Maybe they're not even hedging it. Maybe they just actually wanted to counter trade. Um, and the permissionless nature of the, the ecosystem provides That's the that. most ideal situation, right? That's when you get the highest most perfect level of efficiency in my eyes uh as a kind of layman i guess or not. when i say layman i'm just comparing to like the gigabrains here uh, designing these actual protocols but to me that's the best situation is when uh, someone wants to buy an asset 
and and instead of like finding a market maker who could fill the trade and arbitrage it somewhere or whatever, all this, you're actually finding uh, the counterparty that wants to sell the asset. And that's why order books are so interesting. Well, what's it? So I'll, I'll explain kind of where the, the market inefficiency exists, uh, the challenge, um, which I think is, uh, it could just be a challenge because we're not at the scale of what centralized finance is, um, or just that there's other forms of immaturity within the market, both from the tech stack, from implementation, from creativity and interest, et cetera. You know, the list goes on. But let's say, for example, that a new a new meme coin or whatever the, the, the popular flavor of the week is. Um, person A might want to trade it and person B just might not exist yet. So what's nice is when the protocol itself simplifies the complexity of that person B and then provides it as a structured product that's delta neutral that now um, you know per, a group of, of people C can just deposit um, you know, stable coins or, or the equivalent. And then the protocol itself just kind of does that um, pseudo person be in the background, you know, and, and nobody, you know, no private relationships need to be made. No hedge fund, man, hedge fund managers need to approve of certain things or, um, you know, it could, it, it, it just, it creates a level of flexibility and it creates um, it, it reduces the information asymmetry um, that has often plagued the global financial ecosystem where, you know, everything, everything sounds great and it all works great, you know, with information asymmetry until you get stuff like, uh, you know, the, the 2008 um, real estate crash where, you know, we, we ended up only scaling because um, we there was risk exposure that wasn't transparent or it was very hard for third parties to get a complete picture of the economic ecosystem. So as long as you've got these black boxes, like what, you know, I described in person B, if you can still follow that analogy, um, it does uh, create general exposure to risk and it does create general reliance where capital efficiency is only created through um, the decision-making process of, individuals off chain. And if you can supplement it and you can actually have both where there's, you know, B and maybe, you know, B tag or B in asterisks, which is just a robot doing the same thing on chain um, in a trustless fashion. I think that that, um, you know, I want the hedge fund managers that are uh, performing these, uh, you know, quasi on chain, off chain um, market making and arbitrage or MEV opportunities to be competing with robots that are doing the same thing but completely on chain, and I think that that's the the, the you know that that's like the win 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 scenario here. Very cool. What's your name, by the way, from Lavana? Uh, I'm Jonathan. It's a pleasure. You're, I like I like talking to you, man. You're you're a smart guy. <laughs> we Thank should you, uh, you know what would be cool. <laughs> what would be cool is all these. It's it's such a cool space where, you know. A lot of people would wonder, you know, Kinetics is hosting a space and has put together this into the cosmos, uh, you know, week, uh, bi-weekly spaces. And some people might wonder, and, and Quicksoft does the same thing in the Polygon ecosystem, and people wonder, like, why do you invite your competitors on? Is because competitors in this space can actually work together. There's so many ways we could work together. I mean, perps, it's actually one of the most obvious ways is you build strategies together, like delta neutral strategies, and people could use one, one of your perps to go long and one to go short. 
like we discussed earlier. So yeah, it, and we get ideas from each other and we push the space forward together and find find the best solutions and and compete so that the users get the best possible uh, you know outcome. Love it. Especially that our new perp V2 will be aggregator. So it's needed that we have so much liquidity sources. <laughs> Can you tell us uh, about that, Steve, a bit? <clears throat> yeah, uh, in short, uh, the perp V2 model is more like uh, arbitrage bot intent-based stuff. So when user wants to open along, our entry vault accepts this trade and our hatcher uh, is, you know, opening a short and long on the best designated uh, chain or protocol itself. So in this case. So how would that work now? So IBC seems like the perfect place to do that because IBC, you have a bunch of different perps and they could be on different chains, but you can still have cross-chain messaging. So someone could go say long on uh, whatever, Osmosis and go, or, you know, Injective or whatever and go short on Lavana. Uh, and they could be on, they can be on different chains or they can be on the same chain and same with, and then kinetics. I wonder though, how does that work with kinetics being, cause like Kava is IBC, but it has this EVM face mask, similar, you know, like Evmos with this ethermint stuff. And it's not, it's definitely not as clean of a transition as going from, um, from like another a, a non evm ibc chain to an ibc chain you know it's funny before this space i was talking to trev and he says he's been trading a lot on lavana and he said he he went to trade on kinetics but he wanted to move liquidity from uh ibc side over uh and he, he was like a little complicated so he said okay i'll do it later and uh so i'm curious how does i mean that is a, a little bit of an issue with kava and Evmos is it's not the same it's not your simple kepler you know experience uh there is more involved because it has this evm face mask which is a great thing so that people can launch all the great stuff on ethereum which is 99 percent of all the dApps in the world now you can launch easily in ibc which is great but there is a little bit of a kind of hurdle there. So how does that affect being able to hedge across IBC chains, like with the Kinetics V2 that you're talking about that's launching soon? Uh, first of all, the aggregation is happening in the back end, not in the, you know, not on the customer level, it's more on the back end level. So um, normally like one inch, your trade is routed through the best aggregation route and you're getting your asset back. On our case, we are opening and long shorts based on the Oracle price. And our own backend searching for the best price to execute and the margin are all profits of the protocol. With this, we can offer much cheaper fees to the user itself. Also, the, the margin fees are reduced uh, for borrowing as the pro protocols always, let's say, best optimi uh, optimized, you know, hatched in itself. So long and shorts are optimal balanced and we can search for the best opportunity on different chains and different prep taxes. So we're counting in also the, you know, special agreements with the different prep taxes in regards of raffle commissions. So when we have, let's say, 30% fee off, we will offer this to our users too. So let's say we have a special deal with GMX or quick perps and getting 30% cashback for every open position. So this will be counted in in the pricing we're giving to our users. The user will not have this bridging or, you know, uh, issues to manage his position. Let's say on GMX V2, when it's the best spread, it's simply using Kava EVM with Kinetics interface, but our backend is simply searching for the best opportunity and hatching itself and updating the positions 
even let's say when GMX getting unprofitable in margin fees, we're closing there and open somewhere else the position. The back end of our service is completely hatched uh, without that the front end user is uh, affected from this. That's helping in UX and UI style. On top of this, with less liquidity on every chain with the entry vaults, we can have uh, actually tested with one protocol on Linear doing the near Vonage and we have 1000x liquidity, uh, uh, let's say effectively. We had 20K on this chain and we was able to proceed over, I think 20 million volume in one week. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I, I love to see how this, like it feels like perps is like the most rapidly changing um, part of Web3. It's crazy. I think there's just so much money at stake because in the traditional world, it's something like, what is it, 10 to 20 times all the, if you take the entire world's spot volume of all assets, and then you take the entire world's derivative volume of all assets, derivatives, perpetual futures, options, all these things, they are, uh, it's like 10 to 20 times the size of spot. So, uh, and in crypto, we actually have already seen that transition is already, we're already almost there on uh, sexes, it's already like 10 times, I think, right? And in now in the decentralized area, it's starting to move towards that way, starting with really like GMX was the first that really hit it off. And now you have so many other great protocols, you know, uh, Injective, DYDX and, uh, you know, Levana here and Kinetics and so many um, that are building out these, these new models that'll make it so that we see probably the same thing happen in, in crypto, because that's the, that's the, that's, does that's the demand people want these kind of leveraged and uh derivatives type products yeah we are only simply i think one percent of the total volumes across crypto only one percent maximum i guess is traded on chain at the moment so we have a lot of no way really yeah it's simply still only one percent i think about the volume on all dexes uh sex is happening now with Perpetuals. Oh, not how, how does that wow. compare to spot? How does that how does that compare with uh, spots? You know, sexes to dexes. Do you know those numbers offhand? Uh, I think spot volume is one tenth is happening on chain, but it's normally because on chain you have the real volume, and on you know on the sex it's more like a wishy washy market making bots uh, trading up and down with zero fees. So wow, that's really interesting. So ten percent of trading is happening. 10% of spot is happening on chain. 1% yeah. of, of derivatives is happening yeah. on chain. That just shows, I mean, that's why I think there's so much innovation coming to perps and different derivative products and options on chain and all yeah, these kind of all strategies because the there's a massive buy to take. The issue with on chain perps is the risk. You know, when the trader, something exploiting your Oracle or some, you know, finding some spots to arbitrage or, you know, using milliseconds of delayed or latencies in your price feed. They will up you out. And that's, you know, dangerous for per protocol on-chain because if the payout happens, you cannot nothing do anything after this. On a, you know, on the spot, on the sex, it's simply your account get blocked or your, you know, your balance is revised back. Or they back go bankrupt. <laughs> there's yes. a million, there's a lot of risks on-chain. Yeah, I mean, on the, sexes. I mean, it's not yeah, your coins, yeah. not your not your keys, not your coins. Can yeah, I ask you Steve, yes. with regards to the, the wash trading, right, on um, on centralized exchanges that you alluded to, if you if you were to balance that for, um, 
you know, sexes and dexes to remove it. What do you think the real difference between spot and central, sorry, between, yeah, on spot between centralized and decentralized trading is? You mentioned it was 10%, but with, with all the watch trading in the bots. If you take that out, do you think it's more like 50-50 or? I think uh, DEXs actually for especially blue chips and uh, sl uh, small caps are real, real volumes and on, uh, you know, when I look to central exchange, mostly switch wash trading. Really? So that, that's really interesting. So that that even makes the, the perps pie even sweeter then because, you know, the idea that it can grow so much because of the, the difference, yes. right? Yeah. I think eventually it'll be 90% on chain of everything. I, I just don't see Hopefully. why yeah. you will have sexes. Sexes in the future will, to me, probably, like, this is still way down the line. We have to get links down. We have to get arbitrage and MEV stuff solved. There's uh, all the hedging risk. All these, there's a ton of things we have to solve. But when we solve all those things, um, there's really going to be, I think sexes will mostly just be onboard, on-ramp, off-ramps. For the most part, like why wouldn't everything be uh, at least a large majority of it be uh, beyond chain? Well, if we I can solve a lot something? of things, including I, like well, I think making for compliance perspective, yeah, I think for compliance perspective, there's always going to be this uh, kind of walled garden, and there it probably will. You know, we'll probably see um, these bespoke layer twos which are, you know, some type of proof of authority or, you know, a, um, a, a whitelisted validator set, uh, something equivalent where it will be, you know, from a tech perspective, it'll be a DEX, but from a compliance perspective, it will be, you know, completely centralized. And that's probably the, the, the path that we're going to see, you know, the Coinbase's and uh, the Binance of the world go in. Um, and they'll, you know, they'll, they'll create, uh, you know, they'll try and solve a lot of the information asymmetry um, that we have around centralized exchanges, you know, in terms of custody of funds, um, you know, they'll add um, uh, optional privacy elements, you know, sorry to, you know, with the trigger of privacy, again, don't want to fall down that rabbit hole, but um, where they'll be able to make it private, but yet verifiable um, for compliance purposes. And, uh, you know, we'll, what what we currently have as sexes today um, will just cease to exist, um, you know, entirely. That that's 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 how I see the 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 space evolving over the next decade. Yeah, why would you want I anyone to hold custody of your stuff? I mean, I could think of some reasons, but generally, okay. Let well, me you explain don't want to why lose I your ledger on a on a on a boating accident. You know, that's what's nice about there's, we'll, that. We'll, we will solve that. Like it won't just be people using ledgers and institutions aren't just using ledgers. They've they're already doing more advanced things. Oh, yeah, for sure. Fireblocks is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting to see where the space goes though. And then the other fun part of all this is that like we're talking about one percent of purposes on chain and you know ninety nine percent on sexes. So that means in that regard you know, uh, on-chain perps have a nine, uh, you know, a hundred X amount of growth that they can achieve. Maybe who knows? And then in addition to that, the entire space is only less than 1% of global trading. So that's another hundred X that, so we're talking about a, maybe a 10,000 X. Am I getting that? Am I thinking of that too? Uh, right. Yeah. So it's a lot of X's, definitely a lot of X's here for the growth opportunity. I will, 
why I go to perpetual trading and uh, development of preps was uh, the article I read about this growth potential and you know cap finance and GMX as that launch and arbitrum was really new. Uh, the potential is very high, and in my opinion, the only breakdown and the dropdown about um, why people choose simply sex is the trading features and uh, let's say the UX of you know it was not possible before to make a limit order for spot trading. Now we have all the stuff that you can opening, you know, reduce only orders, uh, limit orders, and and and. Gentlemen, I do have to apologize. It is uh, it's past my bedtime and I'm about to turn back into a pumpkin. So uh, this has been an amazing conversation. Um, I've pinged a, a couple of the co-hosts here just to have follow-up conversations because I'm very interested in building um, co-supportive strategies with you guys. I think there's a lot of synergy here. So um, again, I'm, I'm Jonathan Karras from Lavana. It's, uh, it, it's been a pleasure and thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely, it's been great to have you, and yeah, um, we'll we'll definitely get get in contact and get some groups set up. Um, Trev, I know I noticed you have your hand up. You've not spoke yet. Um, we've been kind of running away with the perps conversation. Do you want to just briefly uh, intro to those that don't know you, and then and then go ahead, whatever you want to contribute, jump in. Oh yeah, uh, I was just kind of enjoying the conversation, but uh, Rock was nice enough to come and grab me, like, "Hey, you got to get on this space." <laughs> um, but uh, good. Yeah, talk I, from, wanted to, from, I wanted yeah. to hear because uh, just yeah, you're uh, you're doing some cool stuff with your the hackathons and door hacks, and I think you guys had some announcement recently. So if you want to talk about that, or if you want to talk about what we were talking about too, all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can, I can run through it really quick um, for, the, for the sake of time. Um, but I'm Trevor from Dora Hacks. Uh, we're a global leader, global leader in hackathons. We work with a, a vast majority of the chains in Cosmos and beyond Cosmos as well. Uh, we also validate a bunch of networks and do a bunch of other cool stuff. Uh, but our whole whole deal, our whole shtick is funding and building the frontier of technology wherever that might be. Right now, our focus is a lot of it being in blockchain. Right. Uh, Rock is speaking about a couple of announcements, hinting at stuff, some alpha stuff. Uh, we launched uh, uh, basically the Twitter and also the Luma for our app chain day. That'll be at, at ETH Denver. If you're coming, definitely check it out. It's at app chain day. Uh, you can also follow at Dora Hacks or at Dora Factory uh, to kind of keep up with that. But effectively, we have our, our whole thesis is behind app chains. We believe that they're, that they're the future. And um, uh, that's why we put together this really, really incredible one day summit again uh, ahead of ETH Denver on the 27th. It's eight hours of the top app chains, uh, uh, dApps related to app chains, and also uh, investors that are investing in app chains. Uh, and, it, and it's a huge, huge, huge event. It's spiraling out of control in a good way. And we already have almost 400 uh, approved attendees already um, because we, you know, we wanted it to be inclusive. So we're not charging anything for this one. This is our inaugural event. Um, go check it out. I can drop a link into the, uh, the chat as well. Um, yeah, can we pin so, that to the Jumbotron? Yeah, post it in yeah, the chat and then we'll get it up on the Jumbotron. Cool. Yeah, cool. 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 I'll, I'll post that right now. Uh, so that's a huge, huge thing. And then we also closed our round of uh, quadratic funding and voting uh, submissions for our public goods initiative for Dora Hacks because uh, we believe that there are, needs to be more public goods 
you know, getting funded and supported uh, to be building within the cosmos to, to support the hub, the AEZ, uh, whatever you want to call it. We have a strong belief in cosmos, deep roots in cosmos, uh, and believe that public goods projects don't get enough love uh, on other networks. You see a lot more of this in our network, in our ecosystem. I feel like they are underserved and are, uh, and are having to make decisions. Some of them um, that are, that are less, uh, kind of less in line with their, their original core ethos. So uh, we want to see these projects continue to get funded uh, because they're called public goods for a reason. It's for the good of all. And if you believe in the whole idea of the rising tide lifts all ships like I do, and I know all the people up here or a vast majority up here uh, do believe in that kind of mentality, you know, we need to lift everybody up together in order to get to where we want to go. Cause it doesn't mean anything if we get there by, our, by ourselves. So enough of my, uh, philosophical nonsense and ranting uh, from my little soapbox up here. Uh, we got a bunch of cool stuff going on at Dora Hacks. Check out AppChain Day. Check out you know Dora Hacks and Dora Factory. Uh, and then we'll have some big announcements next week because we're also putting a lot of our own money into funding these uh, uh, public goods projects that were approved. So that's it. That's the stick. Uh, and also for Kinetics, I spent like a couple minutes trying to get into kinetics, but Levana is just easier for me to use right now for, for what Rock was saying. Uh, but I will make it over to kinetics. I promise. <laughs> yeah. What uh, can someone from uh, kinetics team explain uh, like just the quickest way to get assets over to, cause I think that's what you were having. The problem is coming because it's not a simple IBC hop like uh, some other, uh, IBC stuff because of the EVM layer. Can uh, someone from Kinetics uh, explain this, the quickest way to do that real quick? Uh, if you want to bridge Atom, USDT, or Kava from IBC, it's very easy. You're using the Kepler in internal uh, IBC transfer. And on app.kava.io, you have to transfer function to EVM. It's simply taking one to seconds that you have the IBC assets on the EVM chain. Is there? I think, is there, I think you can also go the other way, right? So if you buy like W Carver on Uniswap, um, you can then just uh, do that. So yeah, you can then awesome. just use MetaMask to switch to Carver network, um, and then bridge into Connects that way as well. I think. So you could use Kepler or MetaMask. Yes, correct. Yeah. Yep. You need both because otherwise you cannot use EVM site. With Kepler, it's not possible to use EVM site. Where can someone find a tutorial of that? Can we get a... There's, there's there are course. already some tutorials also from Kinetics, from Hova, I guess, and from Lockme. There are already some multiple uh, instructions and how to on, use On the link tree, um, in the Kinetics bio, there's um, a link that I think, uh, or definitely was anyway, that's a tutorials playlist. Um, so that's probably the easiest way to, to do it. Um, so that should just take cool. you to like YouTube with like lots of 30 second clips to show you how to do various things. Uh, I we'll think looking at the APRs <laughs> that, that I saw you guys post like yesterday or today or something, uh, some of them are like uh, on either the perps or the V3 are like 160%, anywhere between. I saw like four pairs, it was like 100 to 160% or something. So yeah, even if it is a little little extra step to get on that EVM side of Cosmos, I think uh, I think if you if you're looking for 160 percent, maybe maybe it's worth it to you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And then there's the there's the volume mining thing, right? So if you're looking to open perps positions, um, you can you know your your fees essentially will be free. 
and you can also get um some uh maybe a little bit of cash back on your trades as well so it's interesting so, herbs trading for free or right. rebate right. yeah um so it's, it's interesting and it'll give you guys a chance or maybe a little incentive to try out the protocol if it's not somewhere you would normally go if you're normally doing uh the ibc side of of, of things and you you kind of like stuck around osmosis injective those chains um feel free to come over and check it out uh it'll be interesting for sure and you can see uh how a different protocol works and also we've got some pretty cool innovations with v2 launching soon as well so that would be pretty exciting um don't know if you want to get into that at all just before we close out the space uh, I want to add something about uh, the competition between DEXs and SEXs. I think the most important part is UX. We need to improve the UX, especially for the DEXs. Yeah, but for sure. It's involving the right, yeah, right version because, you know, the SEX volume coming mostly from amateur traders trying to on, on off ramp or using limit orders, which was not you know, not available one or two years before with Uniswap or something like this. Now we have Uniswap X, uh, Fusion Swaps of one inch, you know. It's much more enhanced now than before. And I think, like, as we go into 2024 and beyond, you know, a lot of these protocols that you had to um, interact with in the abstract, like, as separate protocols, will be knitted together by some smart, um platforms that sit in the middle so that there's no like this whole thing of like on a centralized exchange you can just create an account and then within five minutes you trade in uh you can take leverage or whatever and a lot in a lot of cases you don't even need to kyc you know like for example like mexc or some of the some of the uh more suspect exchanges like you, you literally don't need to kyc and you can do a large amount of volume um, and so it's it's interesting to see like that user experience is the most seamless and the easiest. And it's often the first point of contact, right? If you have fiat and you can get it onto a centralized exchange, that's like I know for me, the first experience I ever had with crypto, aside from buying a very, very small amount of Bitcoin in the early days via eBay, which was a, an interesting thing, <laughs> interesting experience. Um, there was a, a, you know, like a lot of people, you download the Coinbase app and then you buy some things and then you start looking into it and you learn about smart contracts and stuff. But, but the user experience is really not more seamless anywhere than the idea of just downloading an app, connecting it to your bank card or your bank account, and then, you know, you've got some crypto in theory. That's like the easiest it can possibly be. So. But you know what? I it like if you are. That's only if you're not already in crypto. If you're already in crypto, then it's actually either easier experience to use a dex to me. Of no, of course, of course, you know, course. like you don't have to KYC. You don't have to like wait for some approval period. You don't have to think about bank. like. Well, basically, there's this huge knowledge gap, right? For for people like you know yourself that have been in the industry a long time, it's just the simplest thing in the world to load up MetaMask, right? But for somebody that doesn't and, and hasn't been in the industry, you know the fact that you've got to download a browser extension even might be a little bit of a a leap, right? That's like a a different yeah. experience to what they used. And to. that's it's the whole fiat on ramp, fiat off ramp stuff. The reason people well, use are, Nexus is awesome. a lot of because of that. Once everybody's in crypto, you don't need on wrap or off ramp. You're already in crypto, right? Because <laughs> you are. Yeah, yeah. That's a good point. That's the future. But I think I think there are there are already some um, fiat to dex on on ramps, right? There's oh, a, yeah. a, a kinetic stuff. There's, there's not a lot of them, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there are. Some. Oh no, there's a lot of them. 
there's a lot of them. There's uh, QuickSwap has partnered with uh, early days. It was MoonPay, uh, Transact. Um, what's that? Yeah, I was agreeing with you. I said I thought it was MoonPay. Yeah, there's MoonPay, Transact, then Binance uh, Pay. We I think QuickSwap has Binance Pay now. I'm not sure. I forget. Um, it just we have like hundreds, hundreds of integrations that we've worked on, and there's thousands of integrations. How, that, how's you know, the how's the uptake of those? Like, because obviously you would think not very high, high, man. Not very high, to be honest. I think um, that's generally most of them had very low volume, even Binance so Pay. Like, and I think we did one with uh, Crypto.com Pay or and Coinbase. Maybe I, I can't remember. I'd be really interested to find out why, because you'd think that would be like the perfect intermediate step, right, between, uh, okay, so you, you know how to use a sex, you don't know how to use a DEX, but here's a way you can get your, your bank card, right, and just buy. You know, I think the fees were a little high on a lot of these. Ah, uh, right. I think okay. so. I think that was part of the problem, if I yeah, remember that, right. Yeah, yeah. I, is it, um, I might be getting this wrong, but I'm sure MoonPay did something with Bored Ape in the early days. Like they had, um, there was some kind of, they were like airdropping them to celebrities and there was some like tags involved where they were shouting out MoonPay. Pretty sure. This is like I mean, it, it makes sense to, I don't know why you don't see these more often if like a project is doing, uh, I don't know, a launch or a campaign and like, hey, just go on a DEX and use this. Um, yeah. You know what I was thinking while we were talking earlier that would be really cool? And then I think we're, I think we're pretty much wrapping up here, but yeah. Um, why don't and this is maybe a question for steve or some of the other like builder gigabrains here why aren't there because okay in traditional markets if you wanted to stitch liquidity between multiple um you know centralized kind of exchanges you know your your um your vanguards and whatever your black rocks and all these fidelity you you have to have market maker go-betweens you have to right i think that's the only way it works now in crypto indexes right you don't need that because it's all just smart contracts on smart contracts DeFi legos maybe in the case we were talking about earlier you need a market maker to go between a dex and a sex but why don't sexes just build in some kind of api automation that plugs into DeFi? and then and again it's just like the market maker solver thing um you don't need it's not like they're taking custody of anything. It's literally just the sex can now access the liquidity of the DEX and the DEX can access the liquidity of the sex through off-chain off matchmaking. Um, so it'd be off-chain matchmaking, but then when the trade actually happens, it has to be done with a smart contract and settled on chain and nobody ever touches anybody else's funds until the atomic swap happens. So yeah, why isn't that happening? Why, why isn't Binance just like, partnering with whatever uniswap and quickswap and all the and kinetics and all these let me explain or this just way. not even partnering uh, but just, <clears throat> just providing apis or something it's uh apis are not this what you need it's more like you need to have a listener or uh, something is reading out the blockchain for the best quotes or you know like aggregator uh aggregating itself Keeper? in the brain in the, in like the back keepers end. or oracles yeah the, the issue with keepers is you know it's a centralized entity yes it's in the end we are on chain but it's simply centralized it's a node running on evs it's like a but it can't stuff. take anyone's funds it just is like yeah but uh, it can't simply blocking executions you know that's the point and uh in this case you know let me explain this way uh two years ago 
when you speak about DeFi, keepers was like a no-go. Nobody wants to have, a, let's say, keeper. It's a no-go. You are centralized. Your oracles are not. Yeah. Think about the FUD and what JMX we won with the two-step transaction as they implemented the first keepers on DeFi to prevent front running. It was like a shit show. You know, it was, uh, you know, blaming them. Yeah, you are centralized. You can't stopping executions and, and, and. So now we are on a different stage of DeFi where this off-chain stuff is, you know, acceptable for the users itself. Before it was like a hardcore Bitcoin maxis, you know, was attacking every developer to, uh, which was trying to solve issues in DeFi. Now, I think the oldest market makers and sexes will integrate each other. You know, it's funny because I, as a, as a former Bitcoin maxi and maximalist, and now I'm a Bitcoin maximalist as of, I would say like 2016 or 17 is when I converted from being a maxi to maximalist. Um, but like for a long time, we were trying to do like, say, like one good example is order books, on-chain order books, but it never worked for like five plus years because people were trying to do the matchmaking on-chain. And I'm sure there's other reasons too, latency or whatever, but um, people were trying, I think the main thing is people were trying to do the matchmaking on-chain and, you know, some uh, market makers and these sexes, like they, they'll put up and take down trades like 10 in, in a second or something I've heard at like crazy and when there's crazy stuff happening. And so you can't like, do Ethereum gas transaction to put up a trade and then, oh, wait, I want to change that. And now I got to wait 13 seconds and it might not go through and someone can see it and front run it and yada, yada. So what now they just do is, uh, you know, everyone's doing off-chain matchmaking um, uh, where the matchmaking is happening off-chain. You could see the book, you could see the trades that want to be made, but then once you execute, that's on-chain. And that was a big, I think, part of the, the solution. And then what's your opinion, like, then on how does Keepers play into that? Or how does DYDX, if I want to open another rabbit hole, play into that? How, what do you think about all this? Do you think that's centralized, Steve? Do you, does anybody else think that? Or is it, is it a necessary evil? Is it not an evil? How do you see it? It's there's so DYDX, you know, you have the market makers, they are on funds uh, trading against you. It can be like a solver in the background. It can be fake order books which will take the order but it's uh, mirrored from uh, another entity like centralized exchanges so uh, it's you know when i'm looking to the intent-based protocols it's simply also mirroring uh, the binance order books inter inside their interface on uh, let's say on the decks um, especially the keepers helping developers to solve a lot of things which you know needs to be have two steps in the transaction process or automate or bundle making multi-calls, making cross-chain communications happening, you know, like CCIP with, uh, with uh, Chainlink, uh, pushing the latest price, uh, like on PIF, you know, that your keeper needs to push with the request of the trade, the latest price to the Oracle contract that is verifiable on-chain, that you, uh, you are not fooling the trader itself, that the traders, you know, manipulated prices from you. Uh, so in the end, two years later, at starting of the first keepers and now i think uh, keepers are one of the most used off-chain components in DeFi, and it's solving so much issues especially in ux and uh, things it was not happening or possible to build before on DeFi. now it's where a lot of easy because you can say simply let's build a keeper which is solving this also i know that 
chain link automation and Gelato with their uh, Web2, Web3 functions helping to decentralize the Keepers too. That you can, you know, if you have no private function in your Keeper, you can deploy this on the IPFS hosted space and uh, uh, with a trigger, let's say opening a trade trigger on a smart contract and the Keeper of Gelato is executing the trade. Everybody can look inside the code of the Keeper and see that there is no fraudulent or any, any foolish ambitions beside the protocol. Uh, so this will be, you know, in the next year, I guess, this web free functions from Gelato and the automation of chain. Oh, what is that? Is that like, is that Gelato thing? Is that a chain? No, it's simply uh, IPFS, you know, enterprise file system, like the pictures you can upload with uh, NFTs or your front end. You can upload your Node.js or let's say your serverless function and uh, the trigger you're setting uh, now the Gelato keepers will track the on-chain uh, uh, metrics and if there's a trigger you have set before, it will execute for you. So the keeper is not hosted by the protocol, it's hosted on a third party, which is open sourced also. Interesting. Yeah, maybe we're getting a bit in the weeds here. I mean, a lot of this stuff even goes over my head and I, uh, but it's very interesting to me. I could, I could literally sit, if, if I didn't think the audience could get bored from just like too much in the weeds, this is kind of more builder stuff uh, and back end like stuff. But if I thought the audience wouldn't get bored, I would literally just sit here for hours and talk to you. About Let's, let me explain what <laughs> is helping for the audience. Uh, with this decentralized keepers, we can offer much more features in trading, like trailing stop, auto break even, uh, reduce only trades, limit order, stop loss, automation, everything, guaranteed execution of perpetuals or spot trading, which is what's not possible before. You know, we we don't rely on our front end or back end, so you can set your trailing stop and after, you know, it's triggered, you get stopped or you get making trade profit. You don't need to maintain- So it starts bringing decentralized trading and perps a little more on on the level of like it brings it closer to the level of the user experience of sexes what are the yes. negatives though last thing and then we'll, we'll close out here what are the negatives uh when you're looking uh to fees compared to central exchange sometimes the perpetuals on chain have much higher fees because it's mostly do risk management so i need to no, i'm talking about what are the negatives of keepers the neck of keepers, when the keeper failing, for example, yes, this you don't get executed. But this also happening on a, you know central exchange that your position is not executed because there was a downside downtime on the back end of the central exchange. What, can you not have right? like this is like sequencers? Like if a sequencer goes down for you know Arbitrum or Optimism or uh, Polygon CDK, if a sequencer were to go down, then the chain, then the transactions could kind of just halt. You, they can't take your money, but the transactions could say halt, and then there's emergency functions that could fix that. But the ultimate goal with sequencers is to have a decentralized sequencer network where any, because the sequencers can't lie, because especially with ZK rollups, they definitely can't lie. Um, but the sequencers, you know, if there's just one sequencer, well, that sequencer could stop validating or it could just go down or it could get, you know, shut down by the government or whatever. Um, so if you, so the goal is to build decentralized sequencer networks, which Vitalik talks a lot about, Sandeep from Polygon talks a lot about, uh, and that's the, the ultimate goal that Matic, you know, the Matic, the Polygon validator network is switching over to. But uh, if, uh, like with uh, keepers, can you not just do this? Have a decent, like multiple uh, keepers that can um, compete for transactions. And if one stops functioning, then another one just uploads the transactions or whatever, or liquidates or closes trades, et cetera? 
we have the function in the smart contracts when the keeper is not executing, let's see, for three minutes uh, that you can manually execute the trade. So you are not fully relying on your the keepers. So uh, after, let's say, a warm-up period or, you know, time period, we can set what we want, even, you know, 20 seconds when the keeper is not executing automatically your trade, you can directly call the smart contract function execute with the Oracle price, the latest. Or uh, That's you can, cool. you can uh, open source or whitelist or stopping this whitelisting of um, keepers so everybody can run the, the node itself. Uh, in this case, uh, everybody can run a keeper, you know, because it's decentralized or not decentralized, more like open source that everybody can run a keeper and they can compete with each other. Who is executing faster, getting the, you know, let's say 10% of the fees as a commission. Or on top of this, uh, we can run multiple instances, what we are running at the moment with Kinetics, but even this sometimes when the backend is overloaded, the chain is, you know, stucking. It can happen that some executions can be delayed, but you know, is the, the, the V2 going to use the Kinetics V2 that you were talking about? Is that going to use keepers? Uh, only one keeper is there. Uh, this is only for special limit orders. For example, trailing stop, you know, that's tracking the latest price and updating your stop uh, order for you and then executing in, in case the price dumping after your your trailing, your stop is increased. <clears throat> this is like, you know, a limit order helper in this case to keepers. I just thought of an example, by the way, where a sequencer did go down and that was with... Um... It was either, I can't remember, it was either Arbitrum or Optimism. I think you'll probably know this one. They ran out of, they didn't top up like the uh, the, the wallet or something with the e The better run out of tearing gas, yes. Yeah, ran out of gas, so the chain just like stopped. What was, uh, which one was that? Was that Optimism or Arbitrum? Arbitrum, Arbitrum. Uh, but there was two cases. One was really the sequencer crashed with the ordinals. Uh, and uh, one time the gas, the gas uh, wallet on Ethereum was empty and the, Batch, batching or let's say the uh, the um, confirming on the layer one was stuck, but it's not uh, affected the layer two in this in the stage. Wait, so was could DApps? Could you still make a trade? You could still do things. It just uh, with didn't the, get no gas on Ethereum? Ethereum. Yes, it was it's possible, but with the last with the subs uh, subscriptions with ordinals, it was really stopped. The chain was completely stopped. Oh, wow, a lot of things we got to solve. It's fun to be. Uh seeing it all happen i watched the internet be built when i first started like playing with the internet you know in the in the like usenet days and the aol days and all in the netscape and stuff i remember just being so enthralled by all the cool stuff being built and i feel like a kid again like i met you know i was like doing that from the age of like eight you know and onward and i feel uh the same sense of excitement oh, sorry there's a plane going overhead but i feel the same sense of excitement now with web3 all right, Jack, I think you were uh, saying uh, we're going to close out here soon. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we're just coming up to just uh, five minutes past two hours. So I think it's a good time to uh, close out. Um, thank you for all the guests and speakers today. Um, if you haven't already, um, go and give some of these guys a follow. These are, you know, some of the, some of the guys we've had on today are building incredible things in the industry. And, uh, like Rock has said a bunch of times, Giga Brains. So it would be really great for you to learn from them and watch their journeys as they progress through crypto. Uh, and yeah, check out Trev's uh, hackathon as well. That would be that would be awesome if anybody's in the area. Uh, it would be really cool if you wanted to attend that or get involved in any way. I, I think 80, 80 or ninety percent. I'll be there. 
uh, I think I'm going to East Denver. And uh, how much sooner? You said it starts before East Denver, Trev? Oh, I've just accepted him as a speaker again. He dropped, so oh. just give him that one second. <laughs> um, but I'm sure, like, if you, um, Trev, if you've got any info on this, we can share with the community. That would be awesome. Uh, on App Chain Day? Yeah, the the <laughs> thing you're doing uh, at Denver. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you was going to post a comment, right? And I was going to pin it. I mean, yeah. I know we're closing now, but sure. I do it like one. Sure, sure, sure. I actually, actually, uh, I had to jump to jump to. I guess I was supposed to be talking somewhere else as well. Uh, I, I posted up here at, at the top of the space, uh, Luma App Chain Day. Uh, so actually, it's it's eight hours of app chains. It's not it's not a hackathon. That's important to note. It's a one day summit of app chains. Uh, and also, and also investors. We're talking like uh, like Frax is giving a keynote. Uh, we have our friends from Objective. Oh, is, is there DYDX a uh, poll? Wait, no. Uh, Sam, Sam Kazamian, uh, founder, will, nice. will be there. Uh, check check out the link. Sam is uh, Sam's an incre- He's a super giga brain dude. dude. Sam from Frax. I've known him for a long time. Ever since his days at Everpedia, uh, LDA threw them a. A Bitcoin and beer meetup. Uh, we were helping with some marketing for uh, Everpedia, <laughs> and uh, then he created Frax. And uh, he's actually my core, uh, one of the core contributors of Doge Chain, nice. uh, which is smart contracts for Doge built on Polygon CDK. But uh, yeah, Sam is a fucking giga brain. Yeah, d- Frax. The Frax team is launching so much cool yeah, stuff. Yeah, dude, Rock Rock. It's it's so stupid. You you need to check it out too. I know you haven't looked at it yet. Like it, it, it's it's asinine the kind of programming that 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 our team was able to put together. Uh, we have like we have we have Bear Chain, Archway, Kai. We have Somalia there. Uh, DYDX, Noble. Uh, I'm just gonna run through it. Nascent, Nascent Delphi, Rockaway, Reciprocal, Lemons Cap. Uh, we got Nolis out there. We got Movement, Nidia, Omni, Thorchain, Squid, Socket. It's it's just it, yeah. It, it, it's it, it's a lot of yeah. Uh, Celestia, Corium. Uh, who's from Thorchain? Uh, what's the name? Uh, uh, who's coming? Bearford, Lee Dev uh, is coming. Uh, we're making a lot of announcements this week. Who, who from Pith? Uh, we just had Pith on. God, who who from Pith is coming? I'm I'm, do, I'm doing some of the stuff from memory. <laughs> uh, cool. Where? Well, where? Where? We could just learn Mark? more. We'll just click this this app, this uh, this link, and we could learn more. Yeah. Oh, Mark, cool. Mark, Mark, Mark is who spoke today. Yeah, yeah. On our yeah, Mark's coming. We, we got Av- no. Avalanche Union, Agoric Polymer, Composable, uh, Wormhole. Wait, uni? U- union. Um, oh, Union. Oh, nice, nice. Uh, I know. Um, Cryptocito talks about them. Uh, Right. Um, yeah. I, I, by the way, the special guest today was supposed to be Cryptocito, but I know it's like <laughs> two or three a.m. for him, so sometimes you can't make it. But, anyways, <laughs> well, I, I'm done naming names. Go check out the link. Uh, make sure to apply. The capsule we're almost we're almost there on the cap uh, in terms of uh, capacity, right? But we want everybody who wants to come, please apply. If you're in the area, come out. It's not a hackathon, although hackathons are going on. This is a major event, and it's all about app chains. Uh, so come out. Uh, Bro, engage. Uh, Okay, my my likelihood of going to East Denver just went from eighty or ninety to <laughs> ninety to ninety five. All right, I, I think I have to go now. Save me a spot. Don't okay. let it don't let it fill up. Let me let me see if I can uh, come check my schedule and everything. But yeah, that sounds great, man. That sounds really you cool. can count me in this time. Yeah, you just all right, guys. Just just let us know. Cool. All right, everybody. Um, like I was saying, thanks for coming. It's been awesome on episode three, and it'll be awesome on episode four. So if anybody loves this content, then stick around for next time. We're doing these currently. We're doing two a month. Um, may go to one a week fairly soon. 
these seem to be quite popular. The the Cosmos and IBC community seems to be enjoying them. So where there's a demand, we'll definitely strive to fill that. It's just a lot of work with the organization and so on. So if we can if we can meet that, then we will uh, definitely plan on doing it in the next few months. Oh, and um, for the community, I know you guys are um I heard you guys were mentioning that you were looking for more like co-host or regular guests. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's a great point. Um, so I've actually um, added a couple of people that might be interested in doing that to the the group. We have a, a, a Telegram group in the background that helps coordinate these things. Um, but if you are, you know, an influential person or somebody that's got a real love of um, Cosmos and IBC, you don't necessarily have to be a developer or anybody that's particularly technically minded, but even if you're just a very passionate community member that wants to get involved, then feel free to reach out and we'll do our best to fit you in somewhere, either as a speaker or potentially as um, a uh, somebody that's helping organize and uh, like invite guests and so on to the space. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely reach out if you're interested in that and we'll, we'll kind of, uh, we'll, we'll find a way to fit you in. Definitely. So yeah, uh, thanks everybody for attending. Those of you that have made it from the start to the end, congratulations. You've probably had a crash course in perps and privacy and a whole lot of other stuff. So uh, yeah, that's that's it for episode three. All Another right, fun one. Yep. See you guys. See you later. Cheers. Bye. Motherfucker screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and plate Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless Trying to make a living selling friendship bracelets Dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments Red down days Got them acting all bankless Yo fam, what? Check these tokenomics They probing this bear Flexing broken honest I had to lay my soul down I'm just roasting honest And then to end a long day Eleven bowls of chronic Never known the politic I was born to frolic It's been my policy To pollinate all over the plot We got a lot of apologists Jumping in at the top We like to measure their velocity Before they hit rock bottom Over impossible loss It's all moss And I'm liking the odds Fondue in the morning Forming mycological bonds Flick the cap the road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures Under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy While the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner They stacked in non-toxic Just to get a better place Smacking on the Hostage, like the shit is played for keeps clowns, white knight, and all these Maybelines. They call it implausible when model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle. Beats tearing apart your community. All these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity. Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each. I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege, commanding all the management to grab a few seats and then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east. Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats. Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets yo we got a few dubs we got a couple defeats and if you're coming for the king you better have some of each motherfucker fuckers screaming out loud looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in jersey what could be worse misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs i'll be numbing up first before discovering what works and we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt we rape and plunder the earth sit and wonder about the worth and play ring around the rosy while the thunder is served
Ten spaces.